Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John is starting a whole new series. This series is entitled, Wasted. Today's message is part number one, and it is entitled, Wasted Lives. And now, here is Pastor John with today's message. The first stop today will be Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll be there in just a few minutes. Say, John, why do you read so much scripture? Because this is not my idea. Please don't build your life on me. Please don't build your life on my thoughts, my ideas, or my opinions. Because they are no more valid than yours unless they're based, based on and backed up by the Word of God. And so we're going to see it in the Word today. And to the best of my ability, every time somebody stands in this pulpit. Hebrews 12 is where we're going to be in just a moment. Father, would you add your blessing and your anointing, your illumination to the reading and the preaching and the hearing, and most importantly, the doing of your word? Change our lives today, Lord, with your word. Breathe on us. Speak to the dry bones. Speak to the things that, are, that we thought were dead in our lives. And Lord, I just pray that you would renew our focus and renew our, renew our strength, renew our energy on pleasing you with our whole lives, not with part of it. God, I pray there's no division between sacred and secular in our lives. Everything belongs to you, and everything should be lived for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to define a word for you that's going to be important for us in the next few weeks. The, the, the definition is uncultivated, used carelessly, or not used at all. Uncultivated, used carelessly, or not used at all. And the word that I just defined is wasted. Wasted. And we as Americans have a waste problem. Now, I'm not much of a tree hugger, not much of a whale saver, so don't think that, that comes from, this comes from that place, but we have a waste problem in this country. When we want something or we think we need something, we just go get it, don't we? We just go get it. We don't think much about it. Rarely do we stop to think if there's another way, something else we already have that could be used to fill that need, or something that we have that could be used better without having to go get something else. And then when we finish with something, what do we do? We just throw it away. Just trash it. We never think of another use for it. We never think, what else could I, how could I repurpose this? We waste so much stuff. And as a result, our landfills are overflowing, Right? with garbage all over the place. We, waste is a first world problem. Waste is a luxury of the wealthy. Because when you don't have excess, then you can't afford to waste it. Third world countries don't have as much problem, the same kind of problem with waste that we have. Because they can't afford to waste anything. When we were in Honduras a few years ago, uh, we, were, we had bought big bags of maybe 50 or 100 pound bags of beans 
and we were separating them, breaking them down into smaller bags as we were going to go into some villages and, and give food to some of the families in the village or to all the families in the village. And so some of the, as we were pouring uh, or scooping, some of the beans fell on the floor. And so I was sweeping up and we got finished. I was sweeping up and, and I, I was about to just with the dustpan, get it all and just dump it. And our, our missionary, Soila, whose who's grandmother, she's almost 80, still going strong for the Lord. And, and Miss Soila said, Pastor, pick those up. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, we, we can't afford to waste those. Those families need those. Get those beans out of the trash. And so I picked those beans out of the dust, kind of dust them off, put them in. You got to wash the beans anyway. Y'all calm down to wash them anyway. She said, those families need those beans. We can't afford to waste them. And my mind began, my understanding began to change towards this issue. When we went to build houses for people, um, one house in particular, we, I, I remember because we had to tear the old house down. Most of the time that was done before we got there, but for whatever reason they, they couldn't get it done. So we got there and we started to tear the house down. If you could call what they were living in a house, and, and I'll never forget it because as we were beginning, as we began to tear it apart, the, the most substantial thing in the house was somehow they had access to pallet. They got a pallet and they stood it up and then they just, anything that they could get, uh, literally of any size, of anything that they could nail one thing to another, they put pieces of stuff nailed to that pallet and then nailed to each other to form their walls and to form their houses. And, and, and then as we were tearing it down and building them a, a solid, substantial wooden house, they were, they were stacking all the stuff that we had just torn down and they were, putting, they were keeping it because they were going to use it again for something else. They were, they were not going to waste anything. You see, our, our cultural tendency as Americans towards waste has drifted over, crept into our understanding of Christianity in this country. And so today I want to begin a three-part series called Wasted. Wasted. There are areas of our spiritual lives that we're wasting. Areas of our lives in general that we're wasting. And it's contrary to what the Word of God teaches. We talked about it some. Here's an example. We talked about it a little bit last week on Mother's Day. Was that last week? That seems like a long time ago. Wow. So we talked about it last week on, on Mother's Day when we talked about wasting, we talked about embracing prayer. As a mom, you have to embrace prayer. And we talked about the fact that you can't actually waste your prayers, right? So we said if we, when we don't pray in faith, we're wasting our prayers. When we don't allow, when we don't pray according with the word of God and according to the will of God, we're wasting our prayers. When we, so, because God's not suddenly going to say yes to something he's already said no to. And when we don't pray in accordance with, with the Spirit, when we don't allow Him to pray through us and for us and, and with us, then we're wasting our prayers. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been wasted if we had learned what the Lord taught us in His Word and if we had applied it to our lives. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to I share three areas of our lives that, that we're wasting potentially and, and see in the Scripture how to prevent that from happening or if it's already happening, how to stop it. And turn it around. So today is kind of the big picture view. We'll kind of drill down on the topic in the next couple of weeks. But today is kind of a big picture view. We're going to talk about wasted lives. Wasted lives. 
I've been rereading one of my favorite leadership books uh, in the last couple of weeks, and, and I got to a, a passage that I'd forgotten, and the author is quoting from a study from a number of years ago that talks about the top five reasons people leave their jobs or change their careers. And I did some research to just see if those still apply, and they do. The reasons that people leave their job or change careers or look for, uh, look for a different way of life haven't changed in a number of years, and it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with how difficult the job is, nothing to do with how stressful it is. Because every single day, people do difficult, stressful jobs, and they don't make enough money, but they do it with a smile on their faces. So what is it? The main reasons that people make a change, the main reasons that people leave their jobs have to do with significance. Significance. They, they want their work to matter. You want to know that when you go to work, you're actually accomplishing something that means something to somebody. They want to be heard. They want to be treated with respect. They want to, they want to be able to be both a good employee and a good family member all at the same time. In other words, they don't want to clock in and clock out, make a paycheck, but never make a difference. Nobody wants to live a wasted life. And yet I look at people, sometimes the people around me and sometimes the person in the mirror, and I see waste, waste, relationships, activities, opportunities, choices, seasons of our lives that we didn't accomplish anything significant. Well, somebody make me feel better and say, you've been there too. Amen. So we get in this season of graduation and we see people who are anxious and eager to make a different life for themselves. And that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But listen, don't confuse activity with achievement. Just because you're doing stuff doesn't mean you're accomplishing anything. You're going to have many opportunities in your life, no matter what age you are. Listen, don't shy away from the difficult things. Don't run from the stressful stuff. Don't dismiss just out of hand the things that don't make a lot of money or put you in that stratus that you wanted to be in. And, and whatever you do, don't settle for useless things. Don't waste your life. Some things matter more than other things. Find out what's important. Get in this word. Find out what's important. And then, and then get, a, get after those things. Set your priorities based on the word. Stay true to your faith in Jesus and in his will for your life. Because these strange things happen in this, in this season, in this season around graduation. Opposite things happen at the same time. Those who are graduating, they stand with their peers and they, and they say, look at all this life we have in front of us. Look at all the choices we have. Look at all the options. Look at all the time I've got. And then others like me who are now 32 years removed from graduation, we stand with our peers, which is a much smaller group than it used to be for one reason or the other. And we say, where did all the time go? How has it been that long since I graduated? And then we get to the more important matters. What have I done that matters? How could I have wasted so much time? How could I have wasted so many opportunities? 
See, the Word helps us define what's important. And if we never look to find what we should build our lives upon, and I'm not just talking about our belief system, I'm talking about how should we conduct ourselves every day. What should we look for in every opportunity? What should we look for in every choice and in every decision? That's why we have an unchanging eternal truth to build our lives upon and to cut through the chaos of this world and get right to the heart of the matter. So I want us to look at three things today that will lead to wasted lives. And if we allow them to operate in our lives, we're going to get to a place that we're going to turn around and we're going to realize we've wasted too much. So here's the first area that can lead to a wasted life, and that's a wrong focus. A wrong focus. I remember when my my brother was four and a half years older than me, and um, I remember him learning to drive because I was in the back seat pretty much terrified. That's where I learned intercession um, when my brother was learning to drive. And he was like all the rest of us. You know, he was so excited and so proud that he was driving. So I remember he, it, it may have been on the way home from Villarica from the, from the, uh, from the post, the state trooper post. He, he, we passed one of our neighbor's houses and, and he was so excited. They happened to be sitting in the, in the, uh, on the porch. So he was man waving and cheesing with everything he had. What he didn't realize though, was that he had left his lane and was now heading for their front yard, <sighs> which is not as endearing as my dad, um, got his attention and he got it back on the road. And then, and then my daddy dropped this truth bomb that from the back seat, I, I've always remembered that. I must have been 10 or 11 years old, but I've always remembered it. My daddy said, probably prefaced it with boy. Because <laughs> most of his wisdom came right after the comma, after boy. He said, boy, you always go where you're looking. So you better watch what you're doing. You'll always go where you're looking. So you better watch where you're going. That's not just good driving advice, is it? Because he, with one hand waving, he didn't realize his other hand is attached to. So when you get your focus wrong, your whole body turns and you're heading the wrong direction. Listen, the fastest way to waste your life is to get your eyes on the wrong thing. And that's a real problem in this age that we live in because there is so much to focus on. If if you're not ADD yet, you will be when you look at all of the stuff that's around you that you could focus on. But if you want your life to count, you have to stay focused. So John focused focused on what? Well, let's look at some scripture and find out what he how, how he tells us to focus. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the importance of focus. And therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let's run with endurance the race God has set before us. Every one of us has a race. We have a path that God has set before us. You say, well, John, how do I stay on that path? Well, I'm glad you asked that because verse 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Let me show you again in in Proverbs chapter 4. He said, don't turn to the left or to the right. 
to the right or to the left. Stay focused. Keep your foot from evil. There is a path that's in front of us that God laid out in front of us, in front of us, in front of us, in front of us. In front of us and if we, we want to get to the end of it, if we want benefits of that path, then we have to avoid the distractions, stay focused on what's in front of us, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, stay focused with our eyes on Jesus. If we're going to to wind up someplace significant, we have to lock in on what's important and not get distracted by the lesser things that will waste your life. You say, well, John, what kinds of stuff might get my focus off Jesus? Oh, my goodness. There's a world full of stuff that'll get your focus off Jesus. Let me talk to you just about a couple of things. A couple of things. The first one is money and possessions. Stuff. Stuff. That's not a very spiritual word, but I think you get the picture. And when you get focused on stuff, there's a price to pay. Literally and spiritually. Look at Luke chapter 12. This is what happened in Jesus' life. Luke chapter 12. Somebody called from the crowd, teacher, they're talking to Jesus. Please tell my brother, y'all ever pray prayers like that? <laughs> Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. You ever heard a message that you uh, were intending it to be for somebody else and then finally the Holy Spirit said, no, this is for you, big boy. That's what Jesus did. He's like, Jesus, tell my brother to quit being so greedy and split the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, no, let's talk about greed first in your heart. And then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all the other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Listen, God don't call names. He just tells it like it is. So when God says you're a fool, you're just a fool. You fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool, Jesus said, to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with Jesus. Listen, did you hear what the, what the Lord said? Life is not measured by what you own. If you get your eyes on money and possessions, you'll work and you'll work and you'll work and you'll never be satisfied. You will sacrifice time with your kids. Your kids will grow up without you. The work of the kingdom will go unfunded. Why? Because when money and possessions are your God, then your God is never satisfied. It just demands more and more and more. There is no such thing as enough. People say all the time, oh, when I get financially secure, then I'm going to slow down. When I get financially secure, when I get enough in savings, I'll start, I'll start to give money to ministry. I'll start spending more time at home. No, you won't. No, you won't, because that's an unreachable goal. There is no such thing as enough. In this moment, the rich man in that parable decided he was going to slow down. It, but, but what would have happened in a year or two? 
when he said, you know, one of those barns is getting empty. I, I probably should put some more, some, some more stuff in there. We need to get back to work, fire everything back up. See, most people, when they, get, when they get to that situation, when they start putting stuff in the, in the bank or they start putting things in, uh, in, in savings, that they don't say, hey, let's cut back production. They don't say, hey, let's start giving the excess to the poor. They say, build me bigger barns. I need more investments. I need bigger portfolios. Because no amount of money and no amount of possessions is enough. When you get focused on that, it's only when tragedy strikes or when everybody walks away from you or when you get to the end of your life that you realize your life has been wasted. Did you hear what the Lord said to this rich man? He said, you're a fool because you're going to die tonight and then somebody else is going to get your stuff. You have wasted your life on things that you can't take with you and that won't last beyond your last breath. Don't fall for the lie. Money and possessions is the wrong focus. So John, what else will take your focus off Jesus? So just one other thing that I want us to talk about. That's yourself. Yourself. And that's a big one because you're, you're always with you. And that, that temptation is always there. And it expresses itself in a whole ton of different ways. But let's look at what, what at one parable that Jesus told in uh, Luke chapter 15. Let's look at that. A really, really famous one. But I want you to see it through this context. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this. A man had two sons. You remember this prodigal son? Younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. The prodigal son wasted his money. How? Getting drunk and partying? He did. That's why they called it getting wasted. Because it doesn't accomplish anything. If you're drinking to forget your problems, they're still going to be there in the morning when you wake up. Only now you've got your problems and this big honking hangover that you've got to deal with and possibly the consequences of whatever stupid stuff you did while you were drunk. And if you're drinking to enjoy your friends and to just blow off some steam, let's read the next verse. So the next verse, he says, about that time, he, his, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he started to starve. It's interesting that he couldn't call on any of his partying buddies when he needed something. See, people who are looking for a good time tend to disappear when things get serious. And especially when the dude that's been footing the bill is, is out of money. You go find somebody else to provide the stuff. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're using alcohol or drugs, if you're using relationship after relationship after relationship, if you're overindulging in food, overindulging in exercise, too concerned about your appearance. If you're trying to fulfill the lusts and desires of your flesh, it's a losing game. Your flesh is never satisfied. You will never get drunk enough or high enough or thin enough or strong enough or full enough or happy enough. There is no enough when your flesh is calling the shots. It's called the law of diminishing returns. 
The more you do something, the less of an effect it has on you. So you have to either do more of that thing or you have to find a different thing that gives you the same feeling. Let's look at Romans 13. Two verses that really sums this up really well. Because we belong to the day, we have to live decent lives for all to see. In other words, there is a, the, the way Christians live, the way followers of Jesus live should be different than the people who are in the world. If you can't look at your life and see a difference since you met Jesus, you need to go back and talk to him again. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties or drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. If you get focused on yourself, you will waste your life whether it's through sexual promiscuity, and, and whether it's through any other sort of immoral living, anything that focuses on you and trying to satisfy what you want is going to lead you away from the path that God set in front of you. You say, well, John, what should I, what should I do? What should I focus on? Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus said, so don't worry about, don't focus on these things. What things? Saying, well, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So what's the conclusion? Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Listen, don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on your stuff. Don't focus on your feelings or your desires or what you want. Focus on your relationship with Jesus and doing what pleases him. Pastor Robbie and I have talked about this for, for, for a, a while now. We've talked about how you focus, how you get teenagers to do the right things and live right and follow the Lord. And we keep coming back to the same thing. Teach them to fall in love with Jesus. That's been Robbie's, that's been Robbie's anthem for a long time. We're just going to teach them to love Jesus and then all that other stuff will take care of itself. You don't even have to worry about your future. All you have to do is follow Jesus because he is the great I am. He is eternally present tense. He's already standing in your tomorrow. A friend of mine told me that this week. He's already standing in your tomorrow. He knows way more about it than you do. So why are you wasting your time worrying about what he's already got taken care of? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is one of those, those scriptures that just kind of rings in my ears. Paul said, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on, we focus on things that can't be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. Good or bad, it won't last long. But the things we can't see will last forever. We should spend our lives focusing on the eternal. If you never think about the eternal, then you are wasting your life on things that won't last beyond yourself. All the other stuff is just temporary. If you focus on them, you're going to waste your life. Here's a second way that we waste our lives. Wrong motives. 
Wrong motives. See, it's not, it's not just what you focus on that matters. It's why you focus on them. Motive, motive matters. That's why one of our core values here at the church is that the, the why is as, important, is as important as the what. Christianity cannot just be reduced to a list of behaviors. You can't just boil it down to a checklist of things you can do and things you can't do. You, you, you can't do that. This is going to sound, it's going to sound harsh and it's going to sound a little old fashioned, but I can't think of a better way to say it. So I'm just going to say it. It is absolutely possible to do all the right things and still go to hell. It's, it, it is possible to love Jesus's teachings and to accept his precepts and his ideas, to mimic his generosity and his grace and, and in how we treat each other and still not be in right relationship with him. I'll show it to you in a couple places in Scripture. Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Motive matters. Jesus said, listen, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. Look at this. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. That's a wasted prayer, in other words. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus said similar things about fasting and about giving all in that same, in that sixth chapter of Matthew. If you're motivated by man's approval, that's all the reward you'll ever get. In other words, you're wasting your prayers in praying. You're wasting your money in giving. You're wasting your time in fasting. If you're looking for the applause that you get from man. The only reward is what gets heaped on you for doing that thing, for looking spiritual. And listen, there is considerable fame and wealth to be laid at the feet of people who learn how to do spiritual acts, even if they don't have pure motives. You know how many people use Christian music as a stepping stone to something else? Or they use it just as a source of income, but have no interest in how it impacts the kingdom of God? Do you know there are pastors who learn how to speak and learn how to motivate people and know how to lead people, but they've lost sight of God's accountability and the expectations and sometimes even his word. They don't even preach out of the word anymore and nobody cares as long as it makes them feel good. Our culture will reward athletes and stars who give to charity but are abusing their wives and kids at home. We, build, we, we reward people, we praise people who build orphanages overseas but can't stay sober for a week. Motive matters. It's not okay with God for you to appear righteous, but inside of you you're full of death and deception. It's not okay with God to have a form of righteousness, a form of godliness, but deny the power that makes you godly and righteous, which is a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a waste for you and a waste for the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus said, not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And those who, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, performed many miracles in your name. And Jesus is going to say, I don't even know you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Again, it's not what's done on the outside that impresses Jesus. There has to be an accompanying right motivation. You say, well, John, do we just not have to worry about what we do? Of course you do. But, but your actions need to flow from the inside out. You can't squeeze righteousness in from the outside. It has to, you have to be made righteous through your relationship with Jesus, and that's all by His grace through faith. But once you are changed, once you are made righteous, then you start living out of that righteousness that God himself created inside of you. So yes, it matters what you do, but your motivation has to be right. You love God first, and because you love God, then you love his children and you serve his people. You love God, and because you love him, you love others. There's a lot of other motivations to do good things, but only one that pleases God. You, can't, you, you can be motivated by the desire to do good, to be good, to be accepted, to be a part of something. You can be attracted. People do this every week in church. They're attracted to God's power. They're attracted or drawn by the good feeling you have of helping other people. A whole bunch of reasons but if we only look at our actions and we never look at our motives, we might wind up spending our whole lives doing great things and then stand before God and find out it was all in vain, that we have wasted our lives. Motive matters. Here's the last thing. Not only will, will having a wrong focus waste your life or a wrong motive waste your life, but the last thing is a wrong direction. A wrong direction. I know people who, are, who truly, they want to make a difference with their lives. They love Jesus. They want to focus on Him. They have the right heart and the right motive. But listen, they just can't get past their past. The longer I live, the more I realize this is true. Life is difficult. If you don't believe this earth is under a curse, you just hadn't lived long enough. Because this is a difficult existence. Bad things happen to people, and they don't always make sense. People go through unimaginably difficult things. And for a lot of people, they get hung up there. All they can see is what they had. All they can see is what they lost. All they can see is how bad it hurts. All they can see is what was done to them through no fault of their own. Or on the, to the other extreme, all they can see is who they used to be and how awesome it used to be and how great they used to be and what a relationship with God they used to have. And when you do that, you waste your life looking in the wrong direction. A life that makes a difference has to be lived forward. If you spend your life focused on the past, you're wasting your life. Look at Ruth chapter 1 from the Old Testament, a, a fantastic short book. I think there's four chapters, 
beautiful story of redemption, of God's grace. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So there's two ladies in this passage that we're going to talk about. Um, and, and one is Naomi and one is Ruth. Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, or really technically her former daughter-in-law because Naomi's son is dead, who was married to Ruth. So, so they're coming back into Bethlehem. So the two of them, Ruth and Naomi, continued on their journey when they came to Bethlehem, really back to Bethlehem for Naomi. The entire town was excited and everybody said, hey, is it really Naomi? The women asked. Look at how she responded. Don't call me Naomi. She responded. Instead, call me Mara. Mara is a name that, that means bitter. She said, don't call me Naomi, which meant pleasant. She said, call me Mara, for the Almighty God has made life very bitter for me. This is her testimony. This is probably why we quit doing testimony services. I've heard them just like this. I, I went away full, but God has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? You met people like this? Ruth was so focused on what she had lost, she couldn't see what she still had, and she couldn't see the possibilities that lie in the future. She renamed herself. She defined herself by her losses. She renamed herself bitter. And there are thousands of people in churches this morning all over the country who may as well be named Mara. They're so bitter, so angry at everything and everybody. And I'm not saying what they went through wasn't difficult. It absolutely was. In many cases, it was terrible. And it, was, it, it, found, it affected them profoundly for the rest of their lives. But listen to me. You can either be Teflon or you can be Velcro. When stuff happens to you, and good, no matter who you are, stuff happens, right? Stuff is going to happen. So are you going to let it slide off of you? Or are you going to let everything stick to you and you carry the weight of every bad thing that has ever happened to you for the rest of your life? Are you going to be Teflon or are you going to be Velcro? You see, the events of your past, what you've been through will always inform your future, but it doesn't have to define your future. You can be whatever God wants you to be. You can find healing. You can find forgiveness, deliverance, hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't stay focused on the past. Look to the future. As Hebrews 12 said, keep my eyes fixed down the road on Jesus the champion who initiated and will finish my faith. Look at what else he said in, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul said, listen, I don't, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And he, Jesus when, when we surrendered ourselves to him, he possessed us for that same perfection. He is looking forward to the day when he can complete the faith that has begun in him. And he said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus, I focus on this one thing, 
Paul, what do you do? How do you, how do you get through? How do you be successful in your life? Forgetting the past and looking to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Forget the past. Forget the past. If anybody had reason to remember the past, it was Paul for two separate reasons. One, before he came to Christ, he was quite, he was the dude, man. He had influence. He had money. He had, he had power. He, he was, he was quite well respected in the Jewish community. Then when he found the Lord and he surrendered to him and he started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the opposite of those things happened. He said, I've been, I, he listed, I think it's in second Corinthians, all of some of, some of the things he's been through. He said, this is how many times I've been whipped, how many times I've been beaten, how many times I've been stoned, how many times I've been shipwrecked. I've been shivering in the cold. I've been starving for food. I've been doing all of this stuff. So if anybody had right to remember the past, it was Paul. And Paul said, you take all of that stuff, all the stuff I've been through, all the bad stuff I've been through, all the great stuff that I used to be, and you know what he said? He said, it doesn't amount to a pile of manure. That's what your Bible says, not me. Don't get mad at me. Send your cards and emails to Jesus Christ at, I don't know what he does. He said that they're absolutely worthless when you realize what's behind me is worthless when you realize what's in front of me. If you're looking in the wrong direction, you're going to completely miss that. So forget the past. Learn those lessons. Find your closure. But don't live there. Nobody ever finds life behind them. Nobody ever finds meaning behind them. If you want to make a difference in your life, if you want significance in your life, it'll be found by forgetting those things that are behind you and focusing on one thing, Paul said, the the path that Jesus saved us for, created us for, and has prepared for us in the future. Every one of us has a purpose Every one of us has a gift. Every one of us has a calling. Every one of us has a destination when we serve Jesus. And it's not behind us, it's in front of us. You will waste your life if you're looking in the wrong direction. Turn around today. Face forward today. Follow Jesus today with everything that you've got. See, nobody wants a wasted life. Nobody woke up this morning and said, today is the day that I'm going to begin to waste my life. Nobody decides when you walk across the stage on graduation, nobody's thinking, I'm going to make so many bad decisions that when in 50 years from now, I'm going to be amazed at how little I've done in my life that means anything. Nobody decides to do that. But if you don't decide to do what God calls you to do, if you don't decide to live by this book, if you don't decide to follow Jesus, then you will wind up at some stage of your life looking around behind you and all you see is waste. Nobody does that. 
Nobody wakes up wanting to waste their life, but so many of us have the wrong focus. So many of us have the wrong motive. So many of us are facing in the wrong direction. So whether you're a graduate about to blaze your trail or you've gotten down the road a little piece and you're beginning to realize you're not headed where you thought you were headed or even where you wanted to go, God is a God of turnarounds. God is a God of second chances and fourth chances and 22nd chances. He's a God who who is forgiving, who accepts you, whose arms are open wide, who is always, listen, we, we didn't read this part of the prodigal son story, but the father is always watching to see if you're coming back down that road that you left on. So let me encourage you today, turn around. Own up to whatever you did. Own up to the fact that you've been focused in the wrong direction. You've got the wrong motive. You, whatever it is, own it so you can come home. The path back to the Father is the same path that you left on. You've got to let Him redeem that time. You've got to let Him bring you right back through it so that you can close it and then walk the the path he has in front of you. Y'all stand with me, please. We're going to pray, and I invite you to come to this altar pray about anything you you need to pray about because every one of us at one time or the other from week to week need to pray about something now everybody don't come but everybody needs to come from time to time amen so no matter what you're going through no matter what's what's happening if you want to come and just pray a prayer of celebration and gratitude for the great things God's doing in your life you can do that We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.